What I want to do is talk about what to do with what we've learned and experienced. So I want you to take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's go there and let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word as we study what now? What now? Okay, we've learned and talked all about legacy and what it means to live a legacy, to leave a legacy, uh, to have a legacy. What does it all mean? And I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, because it kind of covers all of that. It covers who we were before Christ, who we are now that we have Christ, and what we can do with that. So Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, aren't you grateful for present tense and past tense in verbs aren't you grateful for that notice what the bible says as for you you what were it's not who you are anymore but it's who you were before you received christ you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who is that? Satan. Satan. The prince of the power of the air. The God of this world is Satan. And the Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. It's who we used to be. And we used to live in that. And it says here in verse 3, And all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, now we just, English language today, just some basic stuff, you know, tenses are important, past tense, you were. Conjunctions are awesome too. Conjunctions, the word but is a conjunction but aren't you glad for that word but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Or in some versions it says, we are His workmanship. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a lot there, and we're not going to unpack it all. But we're going to, I want to share with you five things on what we can do now that we know what it means to have a legacy. How should we live in light of receiving God's Word on such a high level and being challenged in such a faithful way, what do we do now with all of that? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You that it's all about You. 
and not about us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. One big family. A legacy. What now? What now? Let's jump right into it. What do I do now? Number one, you're going to live for Christ and you're going to take advantage of the Word of God that was shared with you. And you're going to be able to do something with God's Word, not just being a hearer only, but a doer of God's Word. Number one, we need to remember, first of all, that without Christ, we were dead in our sins, gratifying our flesh. The key word there is dead. We were dead. If you're going to realize what it's like to have a legacy, you have to realize what your life was like before you received Christ. There was a before and after for most of us. For all of us, actually. But for some, it might have been that you received Christ as a child and you never experienced some of, the, some of those horrific life things that sin brings. But you were still a sinner, dead, without Christ. What it means to be dead, it, 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 it doesn't mean to be partially alive. It means that you were dead. You're a dead man without Christ. You're dead spiritually. You're dead for eternity. You don't have Christ within you. You're living in darkness. It's all about you. It's all about gratifying the flesh. It's make myself happy. Robert and I this week, actually yesterday, were sharing French phrases. He sent me a French phrase that said, the fait dodo. And I went, how do you know what the fait dodo is? Fait dodo means go to sleep. And he was talking to me about, I think it was Auburn. It was what? What did he say? Hardy's? A party. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway, we were talking about something. And basically, he was talking, he was, he was doing that, that French, fait dodo, and I said, yep, you're right. And I told him what it means, and I told him about my grandparents. They used to do a dance called the fait dodo dance, and the lache pas la patate, don't drop the potato. And immediately, he sends me, he says, laissez le bon temps rouler. And immediately, I sent it back and said, let the good times roll. He was like, oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I know French. <laughs> Let the good times roll. See, that's the way we used to live. I used to live before I became a Christian. It was all about me. It was all about partying. It was all about the way I wanted to live. It was all about the gratification of my own life, the gratification of the flesh. It was all about me because I was a dead man. I didn't have Christ in me. I was living for Corey. And that's how life is. If you're not a Christian... I know this is going to be offensive to you, but guess what? The Word of God is offensive. It offended me when I heard it for the first time. I didn't like it. I was mad at the preacher when I went to church the first time and he started preaching God's Word. And I didn't like what I was hearing. I didn't like it so much that I threw out my best friend, actually Brother Darrell's bro, uh, not brother, uh, brother Darrell's son-in-law that he talked about. I threw him out of my house and I threw a girlfriend out of my house. She wasn't my girlfriend yet, but she was in my mind my girlfriend but close to it and all that i threw her out of my house i'm now married to her but because i didn't like the gospel and it offended me and they told me that according to scripture you're dead without christ and i said i'm very much alive look at me and they were trying to explain to me you're dead spiritually without him 
And if I'm going to live out a legacy and understand what it means to have a legacy, I have to understand what Christ did for me when I got saved. He didn't just better my life. He didn't just add to my life. He changed my life. And He raised me up and He actually gave me life within me. I had somebody text me this week. And said, I can't wait for church. Or, or no, actually, they said, yeah, they said, I can't wait for church to get here on Sunday. And I said, what did you do? What did you do? I can talk with this person like that. I said, what did you do? What, what's going on? He said, I don't know what's going on. But he said, all I'm doing this week is singing Christian songs. And I just want to go to church on Sunday. And I'm like, this is a person that once was dead not long ago. And now is alive. And I went, Well, that's a good thing, right? And he's like, yeah, that's a good thing. And I'm like, awesome. Well, it'll be here before you know it. You see, that was a person that was dead. Never sang a Christian song during the week. Never cared about spiritual things during the week. Never even cared about it on the weekend. Because he was dead. And if you and I are going to leave a legacy and live for a legacy, we have to understand that with Jesus, he's our everything. And He changes us from the inside out, man. And changes us from from being dead to alive. Can I just say this to you? I mean, if you get mad, that's fine. It won't be the first time. If you're dating somebody that's not a Christian, you're kissing a corpse. They're spiritually dead if you're a Christian. It shouldn't be so. That's why Christians should marry Christians, right? There's a lot more about that, but that's a different sermon. So what now? Remember without Christ we're dead in our sins. Number two, remember that those around us without Christ are dead too. I think we forget that sometimes. Remember that those around us are dead too. If you're going to leave a legacy and live for a legacy, man, you've got to be all about wanting others to have what you have. Yo, we got to be intentional about this. We have to be reaching out to people and caring. And it can't just be about, hey, how's things going and how's the fishing and how's the hunting and how's the wife and family and how are the kids and, you know, how's this and how's that just with with what people are doing long time no see. It's got to be about intentionally caring about your neighbors and about your friends and about people you work with. It's got to be caring enough about them and loving them enough to care about their eternity and their souls. Remember that those around us without Christ are dead too. It says in verse 3, it says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. You know, when I was living ungodly, I had a lot of help. I had a lot of friends to help me live ungodly. It's funny, though, when I'd get in trouble, they were nowhere to be found. Ain't that the truth, huh? I remember several years ago, I spoke at the Latro County uh, Youth Detention Center, and the place was packed. And I asked a question. I said, how many of you had help getting in here? Meaning, how many of you had some friends, some homeboys, some buddies that, 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 that helped you commit the crime to put you in here? And just about everybody raised their hand. I said, put your hands down. I said, how many of you 
Those people that helped you get in here, how many of them are in here with you? One person raised their hand. And I reminded them of the danger of getting into groups of people and doing wrong because you're going to be the one to suffer. They're not going to suffer for, for you or with you. And they're not going to say, oh, I'll go do his time. See, when I was living in sin, I had lots of help to do it. And we've got to look at our friends and neighbors who don't have Christ as people who are dead without Christ. We're not judging them. We're telling the truth about what the Bible says. Such were some of us. We were there without Christ. All of us were there. Not some of us. All of us were there without Christ. And so we have to care for them. Because listen, somebody cared enough for you to bring you to church, to take you to church, to witness to you, to pray for you, to reach out to you, to invite you to some event. Somebody cared enough to do it. Right? So if we're going to have a legacy... If this church is going to be around another 150 years if Christ doesn't return, then we have to be intentional about caring for our friends and family members who don't know Jesus Christ. It's got to bother us. We've got to care about them. We've got to pray for them. We've got to live it out before them. We've got to witness to them. We've got to realize that they're dead without Christ. And Christ came to save them and make them alive. Look, let me just say this to you. I can go on about a list of sins that, that we, we've all committed one way or another, or some people commit this, some people commit that. You know what? Listen, Here, here's the deal. It's not what they're doing that makes them sinners. It's not what I did that made me a sinner. It's the fact that I re- rejected Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. And because I did that, then I made myself the God of my life, and then I started living for me. And not for Christ. So remember that those around us. Without Christ are dead too. We got to care about them. I could tell you all day we need to invite them to church. And that's great. Put as many hooks in the water as you can. But I would go farther than that. Invite them to your house to eat supper with you. Get to know them. At the right time, share with them. You say, how do I know what the right time is? You'll know. God will lead you. Share with them about your life. And ask them where they stand with Christ. Number three, legacy. What now? Number three. We need to remember this. Because of His love and grace, now we are alive. Live like it. Because of His love and grace, Now we're alive. Live like it. It says here in verse 5, well, actually verse 4, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. When you give your heart to Christ, there's a supernatural regeneration that takes place in your heart the bible calls it regeneration also calls it to be quickened you change just like that it's called the new birth you receive christ and your heart changes your mind changes and your behavior changes for me it happened when i was uh 17 years old february 12 1984 in my bed back home just 
minding my own business, and I just prayed out and called out to God. I, I had been to church a couple of times and heard what was being said, and I rejected it for a while, but God began to work on me. His Word began to deal with me. His Holy Spirit began to move upon my heart. I didn't know it all like that at the time, but something was happening. And I just remember laying there in my bed, my brother sleeping in his bed, and I'm in my twin bed next to him, and I'm just... God, I don't know how to talk to you. I've been taught all my life to say rehearsed prayers, but, but I, I, I've seen from the Bible that we can call out to you, and whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, so God, I, I believe in you. I want to live for you. I, I believe in all of this. I, I want to trust you with my life. I didn't know exactly how to say it, but that's what I did. That's what I said. And I thought, okay, what's next? And nothing happened. I thought Jesus was going to bust through the roof, pick me up, start dancing with me, throwing me up and down and say, Oh, dude, you saved. This is real. It's awesome. None of that happened. There was no party going on in heaven that I could see. That I could see. And I went to sleep. And I woke up the next morning, got dressed. I would like to think that because I was a, a new believer now, that subconsciously I did the right thing and I made my bed, but I don't remember. Because that was a big deal to Mama. You'd make your bed. Mama would come grab you by the, by the back of the shirt at the bus stop in front of all your friends if you didn't make your bed. So by that time in life, I, I knew how to make my bed pretty, pretty quick. So I'm sure I made my bed. I don't remember what happened at the house, but I do remember what happened when I went to school. I was a senior in high school. And as us boys, you've heard me tell this story before, got in a gauntlet, foot up against the wall like we were hot shots. And as all the people would pass, we would say what we wanted to say and say it out loud. We were bullies. We were not good people in what we were saying and all of that. And the things we were saying to the girls were, were just horrific. I assumed my position at the wall with my buddies, and my buddies started talking like they normally talk. And all of a sudden, it's like somebody was stabbing me with a knife. The first girl that passed by, they did their regular routine. And I'm just like, this is terrible. What are we doing? What? I can't be doing this. That's what was going on in me. It made me sick. One of my buddies said, hey, this weekend, are you going to drive your mama's station wagon and take us all to a ZZ Top concert? Because that's where we're planning to go. And I said, no. What? What do you mean no? I said, I'll talk to you later. I went find some of the Christian kids there. And I said, look, at lunchtime, I need to get with y'all. I don't remember what happened in class that day. Lunchtime, I went and I got with them. And I told them what I, was, what, what I did the night before, what I was experiencing. And they said, we got to bring you to Miss Carla. I was like, who is that? They're like, she teaches. She's one of our teachers in our church. She, right now, she's working with the youth. We need, so we did. Went to see her a couple of days later. And she walked me through the scripture and said, and, I, and she goes, if you believe it, I said, I did that. If you confess with your mouth, I said, I did that. She said, Corey, you became a Christian on that night. And I explained to her what was going on in my life and in my heart, what was happening on the inside of me and, and what was going on. And she goes, son, let me tell you what's happened to you. God's brought you from the dead and he's 
given you life now. And now things that didn't bother you before bother you now. That's the Holy Spirit living within you. And I, I said, yeah, it is. It is. And I realized that night that I was saved. And I took this great big old deep breath as I walked out onto their porch on a clear February night. See all the stars. I was just like, for the first time in my life, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm new on the inside. I've been forgiven. I don't have to live the way I used to live. Now I have Christ in me. Now I can live a different life. I don't have to go to the bottle to be somebody that I want to be. I don't have to go to drugs. I don't have to live the way everybody else wants me to live. Now I've got Christ in me and I've got His Word and I believe He's he's true and He's real. And now I've got a lot to learn and I want to grow and I want to take this thing serious. Man, I'm alive. I'll never forget that night as long as I live. Looking at that clear sky that night that crisp air, and feeling for the very first time that I was alive. Because of His love and grace, we are alive. And because we're alive, we got to live like we're alive. The Bible says, and I don't have the passage of Scripture here, but it's in uh, one of the Corinthians. It says that we are, the, we are an aroma to other people. When we walk in a room, we are the fragrance of God. And our lives should be so sweet. Our lives should be so different. Our lives should be so full of Him that when we get around people that they should know that something is different about us. Not that we're better. But we've got something that maybe they don't have. See, that's what I experienced with those Christians that were around me. I thought I was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. I was lost. I was a religious young man. And I wasn't very good at that. But man, when His grace, His unmerited favor came upon me, I couldn't earn it. I couldn't do anything to earn God's love. I couldn't say enough prayers, read enough Bible verses, go to church enough. I couldn't do any of that to to be accepted by Him because God's not impressed by that. Because we are saved by His grace, not of our works. Lest any man should boast. So if I'm going to have a legacy, live a legacy, and my life's going to, going to have eternal value and meaning, I've got to remember that because of His love and grace, I'm now alive. I've been regenerated. I have a new life. I've been reborn. And now I've got to live like it. Live like it. See, a lot of people claim to have been reborn. A lot of people claim to be alive in Christ, but they don't live like it. Living ungodly in so many ways, there are a million things you can do like that. Living ungodly in their heart with unforgiveness. Being hateful to other, peop- hateful to other people. I saw something this week, I thought it was, it was amazing. I've seen it before, but it, it just it was good. And I could have re- reposted it to it. Whatever, I, I don't post a lot anymore, I'm just I'm tired of it. But... I think it was on Facebook, and somebody said, no matter who wins an election, if your candidate wins or my candidate wins, it doesn't matter. You're still going to be my friend, and I'm still going to love you, and we're still going to enjoy our life together. 
You know why? He said, because I'm an adult. And I would have added, you know why? Because I'm a Christian. And what matters to me is that you're on the team of Christ. And, and if you're not on Christ's team, I'm going to love you that much more. I'm going to make sure that you know that there's a God that loves you, and He's loving you through me. Right? It's time we live like it. I really don't care who you voted for. What I care is who you live for. That's what I care. Do you live for Jesus? Live like it. Number four. What now? Remember to live by faith just as you did when you were saved. Now, here's a point I want to make about that, okay? In verse 8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Just like you came to Christ in salvation. I came to Him and I, I had to rid myself of me. I had to put my trust in Him and I had to say, God, I want to live for You. I want You to be Lord of my life and I'm putting my eternity in Your hands. So I'm trusting You by faith. In the same way that I did that for salvation, I live my life from day to day. And a lot of Christians seem to forget that. We seem to look at the world through our, through our own lens. We see our circumstances. We don't see our Christ. We see our situation. We don't see the Savior. And we're doing our thing, living our lives, and we get so down, so discouraged, so frustrated because we're not living our life just like when we were saved. When we were saved, we trusted Him. Well, that's the same principle. We have to trust Him. Just because it looks bad doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to end. What do we say to the martyrs of the faith who were sown into, who were brutally beaten? What do we say to the women and the men living in Islamic countries right now who are under the sentence of death for their faith? What do we say to the woman in Pakistan, and I think it's uh, Bibi is her last name, who has just been released. She was in prison for nine years for being a Christian. And she's under the penalty of death. They're trying to kill her. And what if that does happen? What if they do succeed in killing her? You say, what did her uh, Christianity do for her? I'll tell you what it did. It gained her an inheritance beyond this life far greater than anything this life could have ever done for her. And so I need to look at how people like that. What about Pastor Brunson who was in a Turkish prison for two years and just came home recently? They asked him, are you going to take it easy and are you going to just, you know, do something different in your life? No, I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to keep serving him. If God leads me to go to another country, I'm going to go to another country. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to live my life by faith. And even if the worst thing in this life happens to me and I die, it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to me because the Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live it's to live for Christ, and if, if, if God takes me out of this life, then now it's a gain for me because I'm in heaven with Him forever and ever. So remember, life is about trusting God after you get saved. You've got to trust Him. You've got to believe His Word. And though you can't see it, 
You're going to have to trust him. That's how you build a legacy. When your kids see you not kicking and screaming just when things go bad. I mean, when things go bad, but they see you trusting in God and being faithful no matter what. That's a legacy. And the last thing, legacy, what now? Here it is, y'all. We were created to do good and serve with our new life. So do it. We were created to do good and serve with our new life. So do it. So look at what verses 8 and 9. It says that in verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But verse 10 says this, For we are God's work. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It, doesn't that look like an oxymoron? You know, like, like a big shrimp? <laughs> doesn't that look like an oxymoron? Like pretty ugly? Um, but no, it's not. You see, here's the thing. We're not saved by our works. Jesus did the work for us. We're saved by grace, God's unmerited favor. He gives us something we don't deserve. Okay? Y'all know the difference between grace and mercy, right? Okay, grace is God giving us in Christ what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve because of what Christ did. You see the difference? Grace is something God gives us that we don't deserve. Can't earn it. Mercy is God not giving us the judgment that we do deserve because of what Christ did for us. So grace is God giving us something. He gives us salvation. But here's what happens after salvation. You produce fruit. The byproduct of salvation is good works. You're not doing the good works to earn your way into heaven. You're doing the good works because you're on your way to heaven and Christ has changed you and saved you. And so now that's the natural default position to serve, to do good, to do right. We are God's workmanship. We are God's handiwork. And God created us to do good and to serve with what we have. So that's how you... Leave a legacy. That's how you live a legacy, to do something with your salvation. We were created to do good and to serve. Now let's do it. Let's do it. The old song, the old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, I think, which I love by Fanny Crosby. Some, um, some preachers have said too many people are sitting on their blessed assurance on the on the holy premises of God instead of the promises of God sitting on their blessed assurance and not doing anything you weren't created to sit and do nothing you were created and saved to serve now here's the scary thing if in your salvation you think that okay that's it and I don't have to do anything now that I'm saved then why should God leave you here? Why are you here? You're God's handiwork, workmanship. And you're to serve. You're to serve people. You're to serve your community. You're to, you're to, you're to, you're to do something that 
for other people. Reach out to other people. And not just doing humanitarian things, and those are good things. Giving a cup of water, cold water. Putting a roof on somebody's house when a hurricane has destroyed it. Um, um, giving supplies. Those are all good things. But we do it because we're Christians. And we do it because we want you to know that, that before we can meet your spiritual need, we have to help meet your physical need. And so here we're helping you with your physical need. But, but if all we do is help you with your physical need, we've not helped you for eternity. We've just helped you for just a, a short time. And here's the spiritual side of it. So I believe service and good works opens the door to be able to reach people with the gospel. Sweating, serving, working, it opens the door for the opportunity to share Christ. I have a man that was led to the Lord by somebody. And he told that guy that eventually led him to the Lord, he said, you know why it took so many years? He said, because I was watching you. I was watching your life. I was watching to see if what you said matched up with what you did. And I was watching to see when you failed, because I knew you would fail, would you own up to it? And how would you, you do it? I was watching you to see if... If, if where you did, you did wrong somebody, did, did you admit that you were wrong if, if it was something you did wrong? And how, you know, he was watching that man. And he said, I watched you for X amount of years. And I've heard you. And I've heard what you're saying. And I put what you did or what you say together, and it's the real deal. I want what you have. That's what that man told that other man and that man got saved because that other man lived it and he did it you see what i'm saying he lived it and he did it we were created to do good and serve with our new life so do it do something with it serve others it's a blessing to serve other people isn't it it's not just about you. So next weekend, when we say amen and we leave here and we go to Triangle Park in Newberry, it may not be for you. It may not be. You're, you're thinking, man, I don't want to go do that. I don't want to go mingle with other people I don't know. Well, you see, you're missing an opportunity. You don't know if God's not going to put you with somebody that you might make the difference for them in their life for eternity. You have no idea. And for you and me to get ahead of God and to think we know better is to be arrogant. And then God doesn't use us. We were created to do good and to serve. Let's keep doing it. It's not something new that we need to do. It's something old that we need to do. Meaning, it's the old principles that we need to continue to engage with in our lives. You may have to do something new in that to reach somebody, but it's the old concept. That's what it means to have a legacy created to do good and serve with our new life and do it. Do it. 
as a pastor, I've served somewhere for X amount of years, and it's volunteer, and I go out and I do that. I don't really see, I don't see the bang for my buck. I don't see, I don't see what it's doing. You see, what you're doing is you're trying to play God at that point. God wants your availability, and He'll use you. You're going to have to trust Him to work out all the details. And I think when we get to heaven, <laughs> I don't say it will blow our minds because our minds can't be blown when we get to heaven. But if we had our earthly mind when we got to heaven, it would blow our earthly minds to know how many people came to know Christ because you did something and it didn't, what you did didn't have a direct effect on them, but it eventually had an effect because you were obedient and it reached somebody else and that other somebody else did this and that person did that. And all those are credited to you because you just went out and served and you lived your whole life and you had no idea that people were saved because of your service. See, that's going to be accounted to you and what you're going to do with that is you're going to take that and you're not going to beat your chest and say look at what i did but it's going to humble all of us and we're going to take those crowns and we're going to put it at the feet of jesus and we're going to say here's my life's work for you king there's a singing group christian singing group who named themselves after that called casting crowns you ever thought about that i've often thought people who don't know Christian theology, when they hear the name casting crowns, what the heck does that mean? We just take crowns overhead and throw them like frisbees? What? Casting crowns? Here, you catch one. You catch one. You catch one. Here, here. Crown, 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 crown. No. We're going to take the crowns which represent our work for Christ on this earth. And then we're going to take it and we're going to cast it at His feet. It's going to be His to say, this is my work for you. Will you stand there empty-handed? I'll tell you, sometimes I struggle thinking, yeah, I'm going to stand there empty-handed because sometimes I feel like the work that I do isn't effective. But you know what? It's not so much what we think about how effective it is. We have to be faithful to do what God's told us to do. And if we're faithful, we do it with the right heart and with the right motive. God's keeping an account. He knows. And He's using it. So do something with all this stuff called legacy. Do something. I'm going to end with something Brother Darrell told me. Um, his daughter and his son-in-law, the son-in-law that's a pastor, was at the Southern Baptist Convention this year in Dallas. And Pastor Jack Graham got up to preach, and Pastor Jack Graham was a pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church. And Jack's got gray hair, head full of hair, but it's all gray. And he's, he was looking out on the congregation, and he says, I see a lot of gray-haired people out there. And let me say to you pastors who are gray-haired, if you ain't dead, you ain't done. He's just an old Texas preacher. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. I know that's not grammatically correct. So if you're not dead, you're not done. Okay? Any of you English people out there and say, well, he didn't speak correctly. Meaning, if you're still breathing, God still will use you. If you still have your right mind, God can still use you. Serve Him. Find a place on the wall of ministry and serve. There is a place for everybody. Get busy.
This thing called legacy is real. Brother Darrell said it last week. You're leaving one, one way or the other. You can say you don't believe in a legacy. It doesn't matter. You don't have to believe in it. You're living it out. Your life is a roadmap. It's saying something. So let's do something with it. I don't, I'm not interested in us just having meetings so we can have meetings and say, oh, wasn't that great? Oh, that was awesome. That was a good sermon. That was good music. That was this. That was that. That's good. That's fine. We can say those things. But what am I going to do with that? I don't want to be the kind of Christian that has a head full of knowledge and a heart full of sin. I want to have a head full of Scripture, a heart full of Jesus, my feet and hands going about doing His business. That's what I want. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I've shared what you put on my heart this week with our congregation about what we've experienced through Legacy Weekends. And I know that many were listening and many were soaking it up and taking it in like I was myself. And Father, I know that many have determined in their hearts that their lives are going to be different because of what they've seen, heard, and experienced. I pray that we would take those things serious. I pray for the Christian here today that's just not where he or she needs to be. But they know that if they come the way you want them to come, you will meet them, God. You will refresh their hearts, refresh their souls, and continue to use them because they're still breathing. They're still alive. You're not done with them. You're a Father who forgives if we confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I pray for the person that's never received you. You were talking about being dead. I know that's an affront to our senses. We're breathing, we're walking, and we're saying, I'm very much alive, but we're dead spiritually without you. And I pray that, Father, that person would see their need for a Savior. They don't know what true living is. They don't know what it means to love yet. They don't know what it means to live fully and abundantly until they give their heart and life to You. And You will open their eyes and their heart to the things that matter. So, Father, thank You. This altar will be open to anybody who, whom God is dealing with. I'll be here if you want to make some kind of public commitment. You let God lead you in whatever way He's going to lead. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.